today we are talking about the Eagles. So the Eagles is my favorite band. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, when you're like, what's your favorite band of all time? The last thing that, you know, I feel like I can do is pick one. But if I had to pick one, it would be the Eagles. And I will be even more basic and tell you that of the Eagles songs, my favorite song is Hotel California. So you guys can already start to shred me in the comments <laughs> if, uh, if you so desire because, you know. Oh, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting your comments up. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Right here, too. Oh, cool. Yes, that's right. So I'm going to move this. I'm just going to hold this because I don't want to be leaning too far away. So, yeah. We're talking about the Eagles, how it all went down. There's a lot of drama with this band, as I'm sure you guys who are even remotely familiar know. Uh, but yeah, they um, were formed in Los Angeles in 1971, just kind of the, you know, the basics of how they got together. The kind of founding members, or like the nucleus of the band, was Glenn Fry and Don Henley. And Glenn Fry did go, uh, guitars and vocals, and Don Henley drums and vocals, for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, Bernie Leadon was the guitarist, also sang, and so did Randy Meisner, who was the bassist, and these were like the original members, right? So eventually, Don Felder would come on in 1974, and then uh, even further, 1975, you have Joe Walsh. So there's lots of incarnations, and then um, Timmy Schmidt who was like the last three years of the Eagles before they broke up the first time. Oh, I thought you meant the girl who had her own show on Netflix. Oh, Timmy. <laughs> the incredible Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt. Yes. yes. Schmidt. Timothy Schmidt. B. Schmidt. All right. So uh, it was really cool because back in the time of the golden era of music, that's when all this was happening. You could actually just be in a scene and get noticed, and uh, that's pretty much what happened. Glenn and Don met because they were on the same kind of small label when they were starting out. They were, you know, in California doing the cool, like, we're in the local music scene, LA vibe deal. The Troubadour was like the big thing, and it's where everybody went to be seen and to see who was coming up in, in, the, in the industry. And so <clears throat> these guys all were in their different projects. Um, their names are not really important, <laughs> but they're different projects, and that's how they kind of all knew each other in this, uh, you know, in this local scene. And speaking of the troubadour, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen, I think it's really interesting that you know that was the way supposedly that you got noticed and you were seen, and that's how the Eagles even formed. And now, I mean, just recently we just saw an article that they shut down. So well, they might, Oops. yeah, they might permanently be shutting down. But you know, yeah. to to them, good riddance because that's kind of what all the LA clubs have done nowadays is just turn everything into a pay-to-play, and it doesn't really matter if you're a talented artist or not. If you can sell the tickets, you get to play. And they wonder why nobody wants to go out and see live music because it's just a bunch yeah. of people who suck and pay for tickets. Yeah, that sucks. Because yeah. have you ever noticed that like you go see your friend's band and everybody's only there to see their friend's band and then they leave after their yes. friend's band is yeah. over. <laughs> that and it's on a Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the other thing. That would kill me so much. That just reminds, uh, reminds me of like um, Anaheim, Chain yeah. Reaction. Mm -hmm. yeah. It wasn't so much Chain Reaction doing that, but it's the people that they associate themselves yeah. with. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, back then, I think it was a Acropolis RPM. Oh, Notorious. That's funny that you yeah. say that because... <laughs> We worked with them a lot when I was in my other band. Oh, so yeah. much, yeah. So we we would like go in there, play, and then we're like, yeah, you got to sell your tickets. And we're like, okay, well, 
Yeah. Here's 500 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> you like to play the chain reaction on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. For a Tuesday or Wednesday. And oh, it, you know, I think that it says a lot to kind of like we like to, you know, rabbit trail on this podcast and, and talk about, you know, everything that has to do with the music industry. And so this bringing up a good point that, you know, the pay to play strategy was really just a strategy to make money. And it completely killed it killed scenes, just killed them off. You know, all these cool places that, you know, were the foundation of like what we know of as American rock are now. Yeah. And like right now, like destroying music. Yeah. Those clubs places to play in la is they're pretty much disappearing mm -hmm. oh, yeah. is is it part of the gentrification what's happening there in LA? oh yeah like it's like affecting them yeah i mean i guess yes and no i mean that's a whole nother probably I'd, debate but i, I just feel like it's more that they can't get people to show up yeah. i mean when was the last time you heard about somebody just saying oh like it's my thing like what i want to do is i want to go to like just see rock shows you know what I mean? people don't do it anymore but i really feel like the reason why they do it is because for 15 straight years or 20 straight years all they did was put shitty bands in there who could just sell the tickets so why the hell do you want to go see another shitty freaking band play you know what yeah. i mean yeah uh, i i mean i don't i can't remember any time i remember like going into a show that i knew was a pay-to-play show just because I wanted to, like, oh, I want to go see a band today. Like, I never went to no. those. <laughs> yeah. Never. Never. So, uh, yeah, they're getting phased out. Um, the other thing, too, I, I feel like maybe now is a lot of these bands, they don't, they don't want to put up with it, and they don't. Yeah. And yeah. they can go to a smaller place, and smaller places tend to, like, have them on, and they pack it. It's exactly. even mm -hmm. a better time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, I, I mean, I... That's what I think that's happening. Uh, not so much that they're getting phased out in the gentrification, but yeah. just that. He did it to himself. Yeah, there's a lot of bands. I mean, they just want to go do their own thing now. They're able to put on shows on themselves. And they actually build their, uh, they make their own shows. They bring right. on their friend's right. band and they actually put on an awesome show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. So back to the Eagles. As Don and Glenn were kind of in this scene playing out, they ended up playing for Linda Rodzamp. And they were the essentially like the you know members of their backing band. They wanted to put together like an all-star backing you know band for Linda because they were taking her on the road. And um, <laughs> I mean I I'm, I like Linda Rodsett too, so you know it's all good fun. So Linda pretty much told them that uh, that they he she would recommend you know Bernie Leadon, who is a more traditional like country guitarist, but she, you know he knew what he was doing. And then um, also, in case they wanted an old guy with an afro in their band. I know. <laughs> we'll get into that. And then it's like we found it on Craigslist. Pretty much <laughs> back then in the seventies. And then uh, Glenn Fry knew Randy Meisner uh, for bass, so he had him come on. And again, just from playing around in the local scene and <laughs> this was kind of like a little bit of the crappy part i mean linda ronson didn't care but they were out playing and they decided hey you know we should just be our own band like more um glenn and and, and don henley kind of were just like oh you know what if what if we just you know did our own thing and their whole plan was that they were going to entice randy and and bernie Leadon to just form their their own band and that they were going to just march up to you know david geffen and be like hey geffen who was like making everybody who who was making everybody everybody at the time uh that was that was essentially their plan and what's weird is that they kind of did 
No, they did. Like, they didn't even have songs. No, and that's kind of what I was... Yeah, exactly. That's where I was getting to. I was like, oh, that's really cute. So, Geffen just had a meeting with them, (laughs) and they (laughs) talked. You sound like good people. Yeah, and they were convincing enough, and he's like, sure, I'll sign them. And he's like, like, but now go go write. So, you sign these people with, like, no... (laughs) I mean, we watched several documentaries to kind of, you know, brush up on the history, and... um, Quello is a, a really cool service. It's like a stream. It's like a Netflix for music. I would recommend you guys check it out. They have a very good, comprehensive uh, documentary, and you know other musicians as well. But the thing that I thought was absolutely ridiculous is he was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any belief in them, and then I heard their beautiful harmonizing <laughs> on this like one song that they did. It was so strange because it was just like it was obviously a cover. And uh, then he's like, yes, that's the sound I need. That's what we're looking for. Now go write some songs, kids. Like a country beach, boys. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, and I just thought, oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> that all you had to do is just be in a scene, supposedly, and uh, just, I don't know, have a good enough meeting to where you're like, sign me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Back then, it seems that's what it seemed really, like. It, really, right? that's all it took. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just go to the popular clubs. Go to the rainbow. Pretty much. You'll right. get signed. I know, back <laughs> then, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I read that um, this guy, Glenn Frey, was um, the backup singer for Bob Seger. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Before, like, yeah, like yeah. moving to L.A. Huh. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he got a little bit of reputation, you know, yes. like, like yeah. good reputation. Absolutely. Yeah, they definitely came, like, um, Henley came from Texas, and then I believe he came from Michigan. Detroit. Detroit, yeah, yeah. Michigan, yeah. So, yeah, no, they both were, I mean, the the thing about it was, and I, I feel like we can, you know, relate, I mean, I think I can relate a little bit on this, too, and uh, Scott and I... <laughs> We're battling as to who was Glenn Fry and who was Don Henley. <laughs> I didn't think I liked who I ended up being. But then, then we realized I was just Glenn Henley. Glenn Henley. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, Glenn Fry was extremely, like, business-minded. And he very much knew, he was like the, you know, the band manager, like band mom. You know, he would take care of all of that. He Like, one of the, the quotes that they, you know, all the people that they interviewed said that he knew how to find you know, what people were good at and really, you know, exploit their talents and what they're good at. So he was kind of like, you know, a manager within the band, uh, which was which was neat. I think you need that. I think you need somebody who's willing to take it on head, and be more the force that holds it together and makes decisions that maybe even the rest of the band are like, I don't know, but it's like you can't have too much undecisiveness. So. Yeah. Yeah. So then they... Uh, they <laughs> Then they had to go pick a name, right? So David Geffen just signs them, says, "Go write some music." Gets pick a, a name. Gets a photographer and says, "You have to, you have to pick a band name now, and we're gonna have to shoot some, you know, artwork to release for marketing." So they go into the, they go into the desert, and this is like the most ridiculous thing. So they go into the desert. This was all orchestrated. This, this whole adventure by the photographer, and he said, "I like to make it interesting, and I like to expand my artists' minds." And so pretty much he gave them like peyote. And they were like just tripping. Oh, how fun. I know. <laughs> they were tripping really hard in the Mojave Desert. And they said they looked up and there was an eagle. And one of them went, Eagle. <laughs> this is like the dumbest story I've ever heard. And I had to write this down as like how they got their that name. It reminds me of how we came up with our name. <laughs> in the desert, taking peyote. peyote yeah. <laughs> Drinking MD no, 2020. Just in the living room, taking peyote on the <laughs> desert. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> just drunk off her. 
Jared Mayer made a really interesting point. He said Glenn Fry did the Miami Vice music, and I had no idea. So yes. I'm yeah. assuming since it's Miami Vice, that would have been during like the solo time, like after they would have broken up. Yeah, I mean that would track, right? And Megan tries to say that Glenn Fry had nothing good during his I, solo career. I hated, oh, <laughs> and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I couldn't stand it. I was like, you know, Henley wrote bangers. I'm a Don Henley fan for sure, but I don't know about this Glenn Fry. I mean, R.I.P. Respect the dead. Anyway. So uh, one of the, uh, I, I'm like rolling my eyes before I even get to my next point. <laughs> Don Henley says, and he was talking about this kind of time when they were still forming the band and, and writing the first you know, set of songs and everything. He's like, the creative impulse comes from the dark side of the personality. And I, they said this, Man. yeah, and, and they said this because they were talking about how, oh, you know, it was just love, sex, and rock and roll, drugs, whatever. <laughs> so they were always like on everything and they were drinking. And, and I, I mean, we've discussed this kind of philosophical point when we did our Alice in Chains podcast, which is, you know, how true is that? Like, how much do you have to feel like in order to really be in touch with yourself as an artist that you need to be completely like effed up for, like, for lack of a better term? I don't know if he meant the dark side, meaning like the dark side of what you do, like as far as like the debauchery of the drinking and the drugs, or if he literally means kind of having this personal anguish within yourself. Well, that, I was going to say, I kind of feel like that's what it is. It's, it's kind of like how, like you just said, like when we were talking about Alice in Chains, how everyone would describe Lane Staley as just the fun, like bubbly guy, and he never seemed like he was this brooding guy that they made him out to be. But technically inside he was yeah but it was almost like megan's ghostwriter example where nicholas cage in the ghostwriter <laughs> yeah. marvel movie like explained yeah. that the reason why he was so dorky and jovial and watching cartoons in the movie was because if you had to deal with the fact that you were eternally damned yeah you'd be trying to at least be as happy as you could be while you were here and i think that that's probably the dark side that he's talking about is the darkness that you live with yes. and you're just trying to kind of get through day by day and I mean, it just, it, it came in the, this, this quote I, gra I grabbed from a documentary we were watching, and it came during the time when they were talking a lot about how they were super messed up. So I thought, I didn't know if they kind of just clipped that, because, you know, in an interview, they ask you a series of questions, and then they kind of cut it up. And I, I wasn't sure if they meant, you know, if Don Henley himself meant from the, you know, from the more lecherous activities, or if he meant just actually from his own personal, like, darkness yeah. within himself. He doesn't seem like a very like dark guy, but he's kind of like more passive. But like, he also might be like just like what we explained. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might not be something he's outwardly projecting to everyone. Sure. Because he doesn't want to trouble everyone with it. Trouble everyone. He mm -hmm. might, might be a ghostwriter. Maybe he's yeah. a ghostwriter. Oh, fuck. So in 1972, they released their self-titled album. Eagles. I was just going to ask you, what, what, what is that? <laughs> Eagles. So yeah, that was like, take it easy. You got witchy woman. Um, those were pretty much like what you Probably would. Like Lion Eyes? Yeah, Lion Eyes was on that one. Um, oh, no. It's not? Nope, 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 nope. It's on the you, next one? You, you trip me up. You trip me up. It's not Lion Eyes because there's only two, there's two sides of this little mm, bad boy it. and lion eyes is not on there so yeah uh you got take it easy and witchy well, woman stupid. i know you should feel really <laughs> and it was successful because you know spoiler alert the eagles were one of the most successful rock bands in the entire world so that was um you know that was that oh. <laughs> you you could be right Mayer. don henley might just be a dick yeah that's true we we you know we can't really refrain we're, yeah, we're not going to rule out everything and then uh, right you know, back to back next freaking year, Desperado came out. Desperado. Let's see as far as all that. 
Desperado obviously had Desperado on it. Well, I was going to say, too, like before you get to that, I just Skin noticed sunrise. how it said that on Take It Easy, there was co-writers between Glenn Fry and Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. And the only reason oh, why yeah. it was co-writers was not really that they were writing it together, but it was that Glenn Fry came up with one of the lines yes, to the song right. that Jackson Brown was working on. And he pretty much just gave it to him because he's like, oh, you're just going to make this song a better song than I'm going to. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's all he had, supposedly. He only had that line, uh, Jackson Brown did. And Glenn Fry said he kept hearing him say it like over and over, and he didn't have a song for it. So he was like, sitting in the corner of Winslow and Sarah, such a fight, such a fight, such to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed for someone down to take a look at me. So you guys, you know. I just like to point out like the, <laughs> the way that you imitate them. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole ego thing, the voices oh, you're making, yes. yeah. And the thing is, is I do love them, but I make fun of everything that I yeah, love. Oh, so yes, we definitely do. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's, you know, it's funny because they're, the whole thing was that they were really shaping what they, what you come to refer to as like, in kind of like Americana sound. It's yeah. like rock kind of with a country-esque yeah. edge. And I thought that that was really interesting because the first two albums, they were really entrenched in that and they wanted to break away from that. And that kind of started the first set of strife because there were some creative differences. So we have, like I said, moving on to Desperado in, in 73, there was like Dakota. That's like my favorite Sunrise. song to sing in the shower too. Which one? Desperado. 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 <laughs> yeah, Scott sings constantly in the shower. So that's... um. Much to her chagrin. Yes, much to my chagrin. Uh, so yeah, Tequila Sunrise and Desperado out of that one. Dool and Dalton. Ugh. No, 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 no. We don't yes. talk about things that are We're completely not fucking talk horrible. About Dool and Dalton. <laughs> but yeah, so moving on to On the Border, which was in 1974. Um, already, you've got already gone. You've got um, Best of My Love, which are great songs. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite ones for sure. And 74 was when they were actually trying out um, some other guitarists. So again, they wanted to kind of move away from the country sound, poor Bernie Leadon. And um, they, you know, they were like going back and forth because Glenn Fry's like, I have to play like the solos that he writes and it's too country and he won't play the rock solos the way I want. So they actually had uh, Felder come on to record a couple like slide guitar parts and do some, you know, guitaring tracks and they liked him so much. I was going to say, and that's what is kind of weird about the evolution of music is they're saying that Bernie Leadon's guitar playing was too country. Yeah. But Don Felder's wasn't too country. And then by now, mm-hmm. If I try to play a solo that's anything like what Don Felder would have played, oh Megan would be like, why the fuck are you playing the stupid blues shit yeah. on our song? Yeah. And I'm just I like, I liked it. No, I love, I like blues <laughs> stuff, but I was saying that like... It's just for the style. Yeah. It just doesn't really make as much sense. Exactly. Because like, there was a time when we were developing our own sound where we were thinking like, do we kind of want to be more Fleetwood Mac? you know, style, which would incorporate more blues and country influences and it would work and make sense. And I think we just ended up shifting more into this more alt rock space. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's important. What a band wants to do with their sound and, and the fighting in fighting within the band over what that is going to look like. She's usually always right though. Me? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to that. Well, thank you. That's why I'm Glenn Fry. That's staying on the <laughs> internet forever. I know. That's, I know. Now this is like forever. You hear that? Forever. You hear that? You hear that? Internet? Yeah, but I don't usually argue about that stuff. I know. 
you're, you're good. You're great. Like I'm like no, I like I'm not going to be the person who judges that this is the best because you make music for other people. Like obviously I make it for myself because I want to make what I want to listen to. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm not the one listening to it all the time. If I want other people to listen to my music, I'm going to need to make sure that I've been to what people are actually going to enjoy, not just yeah. what I want to make just to be self-serving. You know what I mean? No, I mean yeah. I think that that's and that's kind of where like I kind of got frustrated with Glenn Frey because it wasn't that you know you could say maybe his his thoughts were right were they though because the first couple albums were still wildly successful even with that country sound mm -hmm. and i i do agree and i you know our private metal, our private group where we discuss music is called metalheads it's on facebook so if you guys are watching and want to discuss the podcast and music in general pop on into metalheads um we'll add you and yeah we'll talk about it because uh the week before we at least try to get the topic out so that you know people in the group can even just you know discuss it and say like hey i want to you know i want to hear you guys talk about this aspect and one of the things that was brought up was the difference in sound once um, joe walsh entered the band more specifically as opposed to um oh how cool you're having like the comments pop up that's yeah cool. i'm trying to hi teresa highlight some that's cool hi guys now i'm sorry if i'm not if i'm missing your comments i'm like too busy reading my notes i'm all excited about the eagles so yeah um you know don felder was the first to join uh with more you know he was very like very technical he was like the guy they were like calling like fast finger joe or some stupid thing joe walsh. <laughs> yeah. no God. no it wasn't joe walsh oh, i was making worse, a, yeah. i was making a stupid joke but they were like talking about how he can play just like ridiculously play the guitar like he was ringing a bell oh <laughs> boy what yeah so, <laughs> i don't know so he came on they ended up just hiring him on that was cool and then they met our wonderful joe walsh who is like the craziest person in the world but i cherish him i don't no no i <laughs> like honestly i freaking i can't stand that guy no even like his all his solo songs like and what's weird is Megan hates people with weird voices, like when they sing. I like, don't like his singing. No, like like Billy Corgan, for example. Like she cannot stand the Smashing Pumpkins, and I love him. The voice, not yeah. the. But you still love listening to his music, so you just you yeah. get over it. She doesn't even like Axl Rose, and I mean well, I understand I, why people don't, but she can't listen to Guns N' Roses for the same reason. But she can listen to Joe Walsh. I don't Mighty listen Walsh. to his singing. I don't like his. Oh, singing. you don't. You just mute that part somehow. No, because I <laughs> listen here. I love what he does on the guitar, and I think he's like an interesting character. That's why I like him. I think he was cool. I think he did add a lot of, and the thing is too, is that I feel like he, you know, they talk a lot, the Eagles talk a lot, especially in their documentaries, about how like it just, it's so important to have the right fit of members, right? And I think nothing is like more important than that because these oh, guys got into like, like legitimate physical fights, yeah. like legitimately, like I think we're getting there, but, um, uh, Leiden, Leiden, freaking, what is it? Didn't I say he like he smashed a beer bottle on top of Glenn Fry's head as he was quitting, or poured a beer on yeah. top of Glenn Fry's head? Yeah, <laughs> two completely different things. Yeah, I'm sorry, one is much more violent. But yeah, the freaking <laughs> the little like cute like guitar country guitar freaking guy, you know, poor Leiden. He is so frustrated with Glenn Fry, who is being you know kind of a dick, and you can kind of pick up on that. I don't know. Oh and yeah, I can in the interviews. I was like, mm, calm down. So that's yeah. definitely a problem with me. So, <laughs> oh, you mean that Glenn Fry was being a dick? Yeah, and like just being too, just being like too aggressive. Like I feel like there's a way you can I handle it within a band. I think the problem is, is that when you are like the leader, like him, that yeah. you sometimes you you kind of have to be that way because it leaves less room for the wiggle room. 
If, yeah. he, if, if he knows there's one way that he wants things to do, like, like for example, in our band, like, I feel like we're very fluid in the way that things can turn out. So mm-hmm. it's different. He had like a specific vision and it was more like, if it's not going to follow that one, then you're already wrong and it's not going to work. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're right. And that's the thing, though, is it's like it, it obviously he offended him enough to where when he when he was, you know, pushing him out of the band, essentially, it ended with him pouring a beer bottle on his head before he, like, you know, took off, whatever. So poor Leiden's gone. And so we end up now we have Don Felder and, and Joe Walsh. Well, again, that kind of takes me to my point of like they kept talking so much throughout the entire documentary that one that I watched on Quello, which I think was like honestly it was the actually, best one. It was excellent. Yeah. It was like the most comprehensive. Like I swear like we're like three and a half hours like, too. Yeah, it was. And like hashtag not sponsored. I, I'm not getting anything if you watch it. But you know, the fact of the matter is is that it really is they said like a marriage, but it's a marriage between like four or five, six people and it really has to work. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. You know, I've seen that even in our in our band, you know, with the different people that have come and gone depending upon, you know, just life. You know, nothing that dramatic. Like, we've never had, like, Eagles-level problems, like, whatsoever. No. Not no, yet. Not yet. <laughs> but I'm... I'm Jerry's <laughs> like, why do you think I came here? <laughs> so why do you think I'm so quiet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm bottling it up. We, we did call you the Timothy Schmidt because we were like, he is so sweet. Like, the Timothy B. But he's also super talented. Like, it's not like... No, it wasn't like, he's just a very that. important part, but yeah. Yeah, like, in, like, oh, my God. I was like, he is, like, the kind soul that's like... If we could just play these songs together. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that you sound like that. <laughs> it's just that, like, he was so, I mean, he's a very talented guy. And he was just, like, coming into this band, like, holy hell, like, these people. But that was, like, that was even later after a huge blowout with Randy, you know, Meisner and, and, again, Glenn Fry. But, you know, the thing is, is that you really do have to have, like, the proper amalgamation (laughs) the proper you know gel of personalities and i do believe that there has to be essentially kind of a a band leader for lack of better words and as much as like people might think they gravitate towards like the singer and think oh that it must be that person like for us it's scott you know scott had the you know history in music between the two of us and uh, he was the one who really kind of i at the end of the day i'm just like i'm going to let scott make the decision because i understand that there needs to be like a final say you know we're all gonna have our individual takes and our individual like wants and desires and i believe that it does need to be a democracy but if if it can't be like if somebody if we're all just torn apart there needs to be one person that we go cool you make you you know pull the trigger that's how i that's at least what i think what do you guys think all right i totally agree <laughs> so it's like i agree yeah. <laughs> i'm saying i agree exactly. and everybody agrees right? oh, apparently no. if i agree right <laughs> <laughs> there's like a weapon like secretly held to like all everybody's like, like right now like, yeah we agree i have three ninjas behind each one of them exactly <laughs> it's that much you know, ridiculous. Their problems require large amounts of cocaine. Yeah, there was a lot of cocaine. Like, they would not stop talking about how much co- cocaine they did. Uh, Joe Walsh is the best when he shuts up and plays. How do you feature that? I already did. <laughs> Jarrett Meyer is, is you know, you're bringing out the good, the good hot takes. I love it. So, in comes um, Joe Walsh. It definitely adds, like, a certain amount of, of rock sound to it. And, uh, you know, Oh, the guys are trying to open their beers. <laughs> and, you know, the, the playing style of Joe Walsh is more kind of like 
a little looser. I wouldn't say like terribly, but it's like a little bit more like frantic. You know, you hear it in like the Hotel California, like the dueling kind of solos. You hear like the more like traditional like Felder playing like on the note, you know, and then you hear kind of the call and answer with Joe Walsh and you really get to hear that dynamic. Well, what I, what I think is funny is I actually like Don Felder solos way more than Joe Walsh. Yeah. Yeah, like he did the one in one of those nights, and that's yeah, literally my favorite Eagle solo. solo. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful. Solo. I love one of those nights. Is that one solo of my, is cool. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I mean it's it's gorgeous, and like I I actually wanted to kind of talk about because I think you're going. It's interesting how we like see ourselves versus how others see us. Yeah. I don't know if you're gonna hate this, but I always oh felt, god, I'm Joe Walsh. Yes, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> because like. Like, she's like Scott's because, not because he's retarded and no! he wears pajama pants on stage and passes out at four o'clock in the morning at other people's house. He like pees himself. <laughs> um, no, because he's this sloppy one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I am. I am. I'm that too. Well, I was going to say, it's like Joe Walsh plays, you know, you can say like that there's some people who play more with feeling and some people who are more technically savvy, right? And they, they come from like kind of these one or, you know, you're one or the other. You kind of come at it with a really cool like feel or you come at it with a really cool technique, you know? And I think that Scott always came at it with like his creativity and his heart. And that, you know, She's like, and, <laughs> and when he puts down, he tried. No, <laughs> he really tried. And I, I love your solos, but sometimes you do really need to like you, you come up with the concept of them and they're gorgeous. And then like it takes you a little bit to like nail them, technically speaking. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's cool that you have the textures in your head of what you want it to sound like emotionally. Oh, yeah. I play way better in my head than I do. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm not even making fun of you. I'm being 100% serious. Wow, you guys really can't analyze. I thought I was the only one who did that. Michael McCann, you're the only one in the entire United States of America. I would No, I would be featuring that, but that would be way too self-serving. No, no. <laughs> uh, just nod and say yes. Yeah, those problems were Yeah, we've already been there. So, yeah. So, I think that that's kind of the I mean, I don't really know. You guys add in the comments if you think, you know, there's more to be said about that. But you just you just end up seeing a lot more rock solos and 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 um, kind of more, you know, a rock sound compared to the easier. Yeah. Is it true that they were like switching more to a rock sound and then kind of like leaving the country sound back? Yeah. And then I think the manager was the one that kind of like pulled him back. Like, oh, guys, I think you you're kind of like getting too heavy. Yeah. You should just like you know just keep your roots you know and yes. mix it up a little bit like you know country rock a little bit more you know it's funny though because with the eagles i always felt <clears throat> that they were just a country band mm. that decided to really? say like you know what let's go off the beaten path we're not going to do country yeah we're going to do rock but then they came up with their own sound because yeah like i i know they they put them in the genre with like uh rock yeah but uh, to me, it's like borderline country still. Kind yeah, of southern yeah. Rock. and it's yeah, well, and, and it's kind of like I would say more like, yeah, more like southern rock because I still don't even feel like they're very country. Like when I think about country, you know like what I mean? Folk. Maybe. Yeah. Like they're not even as country as like Hank Williams Jr. You oh know no, what I mean? no, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't know why I always think of them that way, and we're like, oh, that's like. That's more like, of a country band to me. Yeah, that's why I kind of like <laughs> thought like the Americana. I'm featuring this because my cousin said it, and it makes me. I like he it. described me exactly how I am. Okay. Wild and free like a jackalope. Aww. <laughs> yes. I like it when a guitar solo can sound a little bit more wild and free 
than just technically good. What I'm saying is Scott plays like a wild and free jackalope. <laughs> That's a beautiful image in my mind now. Thank you for that, Anthony. I love it. So yeah, like, I mean, we'll I- We're laying in the I ground agree. in the middle of the desert. Jackalope. <laughs> I guess I can agree, but then I also get really frustrated. So that's why, like, I like Joe Walsh as like a, a character. He's like interesting to me. But you know, as far as like the playing goes, I am like probably the first to really get frustrated with Scott. Like, especially in studio when we're recording, if something's too sloppy. So Joe Walsh kind of like he he kind of brought this like funky rock sound. It, like the songs that he plays, it's just like super slow, yeah. like really funky mm -hmm. but it's still with the eagle sound like yeah they're so good well, you know? there there is little sections of songs that i listen to and yeah. it's, it could be just one or two bars and yeah. i'm like man that is like really kind of like close to disco right there yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah yeah i can hear that yeah well, i mean like especially in his like solo career like you know he was always doing really like funky stuff and different yeah. stuff and and um, as far as that goes, I think it's also funny with the singing. Like, if <laughs> it's like very few times like you can see like that he wasn't singing, and I guess there was some like fighting about him and, and whether he could you know even be one of like the harmonies, and because they didn't necessarily like his voice. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I can always hear in certain like in certain live performances, you're like, oh, I hear Joe. <laughs> so turn his mic down. Exactly. Probably they're just like they turn it off. Like, yeah, Joe, you're. It doesn't even have a cable. You're killing it, dude. You're killing it. <laughs> you got it, man. So yeah, that was like, like I think, like, and that reminds me of like that story that of my thesis advisor when I was in grad school, and I was um, one day, you know, Facebook being Facebook, you know, you put your little status up there, and one day I'm just on Facebook, and my my thesis advisor just makes a post. Her, her status just says, "I like Joe Walsh." Period. Done. And I thought that was You're like this isn't Twitter. I know. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like I thought that was like the funniest thing. I and so forever I've always just said I like Joe Walsh because I thought that was hilarious. So shout out to my thesis advisor Nancy Kane. She's probably not friends with me anymore because she hates me. <laughs> She's like that girl's so annoying. And so she told me this was in Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I was going to say too. Like you guys reminded me as far as Joe Walsh goes, though, that as much as I don't want to admit it, he actually plays like even his songs like rocky mountain way and you know the the other one that we don't want to talk about it's maserati um, that goes one yes exactly that one um it's actually pretty like like what roy was saying about the slow thing it's actually pretty heavy yeah and even like the stuff with the the james gang like the funk 49 oh, song God, right stuff, like, yeah, yeah like just the groove is real dirty it's actually pretty sick like his, his, yeah his voice is weird he, but yeah style he was, wise he does really cool shit i i kind of like take joe launch like like less is more you know yeah, like yeah. the guy that it's just like less joe walsh exactly it's just like oh. he rather is just like play just a few notes not like too many notes in the solo but kind of like make it feel so oh, good yeah, it's yeah. just like so sick but yes. uh, i want to know is Joe Walsh from Australia, or he, I, I want to know how? Or does he's, he just look like a kangaroo? I just, <laughs> I just, I don't he just know. looks like he's part kangaroo. 
Oh, that's so sad. I don't even know where he's from. Let's see. He was like in a band in Australia called the Party Boys. The Party Boys. The Party Boys. Yeah. I want to be in this band. I just remember Chris Pontius from Jackass, the Party Boys. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, Vicky. Oh, man, no, so Vicky. Cool. You're not really weird for liking Rocky Mountain Way. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, in my opinion, his yes, best song. Yes, I was gonna say Rocky Mountain Way is my favorite Joe Walsh song, Vicky. So don't feel bad. Don't let these idiots tell tell you anything. Let's see where where was his early life in education? Joe Walsh was educated. He was born. <laughs> he was born in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, Kansas! That's so, Kansas boy. Far from Australia, yeah. but he could still be part kangaroo. Oh no! And his father was killed in a plane crash. I'm sorry, Joe. But yeah, um, we won't care about his education. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where he's from, Kansas. But that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So um, that <laughs> that kind of brings me to you know 1975, 1976. We have you know, Hotel California that cd is released and um it's my favorite song and i don't care how completely uh what is it like basic cliche. or cliche that is we had a recent post where we made where we said like what is like you know what's your most what's your song that you could listen to a hundred times no matter how overplayed it was and mine 100 percent. i mean 100 percent is hotel california what's everybody's right now yeah what yeah what about you guys i like cashmere Really? By Led Zeppelin? Yeah. Fair I enough. Let, I, I mean, I see how that's one of them, too, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of like listening everything. I've, I've been li- listening to Eagles a lot, you know, just because of podcast. But I don't know. Maybe Take It to the Limit by yeah. the Eagles. I, I fucking love that song. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, an Eagles song or just no, no, any song? Oh, any okay. song. Yeah. But I mean, I okay, so my second one would be after Hotel California because first of all, I, I should explain why because I this is like the point of the podcast. I feel like Hotel California has everything that I want in a song, like as Megan Rice, right? So for me, the storytelling is interesting but not literal, and that's what I like. I, I kind of try to make my songs when I write my melodies and my, my lyrics. I feel like I want to tell a story, but I don't want to tell like. You know, she was a boy, he was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? Like, I, no shade to Avril, but like, I don't really want to tell a very literal story. I like when it's kind of more, you know, ambiguous. Yeah. So that's why I liked the, the ideas behind Hotel California and the writing. And I like that they said that, you know, they could tell you what it's about for the most part, kind of give you an idea of what the song's about, but that you'll never know because some of those lines are like, I think Glenn Fry said, like, some of those lines are just for me and you guys can't know because it's like from my life and my experience. Mm. And I thought that was really cool because obviously as a lyricist myself, I'll throw in lines that I'm like, I can kind of tell you what I, the song is about, what, where my head was when I was writing this. But for, for me to go line by line, it's not going to make sense to you. And, it, and I actually prefer when other people, and that's why they didn't, they didn't go into detail as to what the song is about. And I like that yeah. because like, I don't know if they're thinking like I'm thinking, but I prefer when the audience or when the listener kind of takes it and makes it like a life of their own, like gives the song a new life and gives it a new meaning. That's so cool. And yeah. that's kind of where I took it. You know, and that's what inspired me as, as a songwriter is thinking like, oh, it's neat that they refuse to give you a more in-depth explanation as to what it is. And that they, you know, they refuse to go line by line with it, you know? And I think that was, that was really cool. Here's, a, a, here's another married moment. Married moment. My song is Dream On by Aerosmith. Oh, 
That one's awesome, though. Yeah. I could see that. The reason like, why it's a married moment is because she completely cut me off before I even got to say my song after everybody went around. Oh. And said there, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't give a fuck. That's all right. That's on the internet. And we fight just like Glenn Fry and Don Henley. Right. I think that was. Is that album the one that has In the City? Which one? Uh, the California. Hotel California. Uh, that, one, that one is came the later. next one says The Long Run. Yeah. The yeah. Long Run. What mm-hmm. year did that come out? Then 79. Oh, in 79. Yeah. That's later on. Mm-hmm. So this one has, you know, Hotel California, New Kid in Town, Life in the Fast Lane, which is probably. I like that song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I can't say it's probably one of my favorites because I love one of these nights. I love I Can't Tell You Why. Um, but Life in the Fast Lane, that freaking riff is just insane. Yeah. It was written by Joe Walsh. Again, for anybody who doesn't know, because, you know, this is an Eagles podcast, it apparently was just a riff that he had made up as an exercise in, like, just articulating his fingers. So he wanted to make sure he had, like, a lot more, you know, dexterity. And he was just playing it in the back room one day, and Don Henley goes, what's that? We need to make a song out of that. And I love it so much that I named my dog um, Highlander's Life in the Fast Lane, and his name is Henley, (laughs) after Don Henley. And now there's been a few Henleys in the dog world, so that's, <laughs> I feel like that's my doing. I'm going to claim that. And now it's on the internet forever. <laughs> it's my name. <laughs> Imitation is the best form of flattery, right? Anyways, yes. moving on, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that album has a song uh, called Victim of Love, oh, yeah. Yeah. which is like what I'm, you know, what are we talking about? Like the rock sound. That one is like straight out yeah. freaking rock, like 70s is what, 78, 76. Oh, yes. And I think that one was written by uh, Henley. Which that one? Song, it uh, sounds like Victim he of Love. Victim yeah. of Love specifically, yeah. Sounds like his style for it's, sure. It's Henley is the first writer, then Fry, then Felder, then, then Souther. Souther. So they must have had somebody come in on that one for that for that song. Yeah, no, I mean good stuff they i mean they keep they keep making excellent songs and i think one of the biggest things that they were afraid of they actually said it out loud multiple times that they just didn't know when they were going to be able to like keep how long they're going to keep this up for they had no concept of like am i going to just be able to continue to write new songs like is this going to stop dry is there going to be like a well that dries up yeah and i thought that was like a good point like because you know don henley like throughout the entire you know course of studying kind of his thoughts on it it really felt like he was super reluctant because he he just felt like why am i special he's like all these other musicians around me are talented they're amazing and somehow i was like plucked and i got to take this like whirlwind adventure with the eagles and i don't feel like i was any more special than any of the other amazing talented other musicians that were like in the scene with me yeah and he was like and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to continue writing good songs so like he was like it was both terrifying and like hardcore imposter syndrome. So I thought that was. Really so is that Don Henley? I got distracted by this. Don Henley, yes. Yeah. Don't get distracted by your memes. That, that also cracks me up because how many people, especially in popular music, can you say wrote better songs than Don Henley? Well, that's what I'm saying. But but that's that's actually my favorite part about him. Yeah. Is so many people like are not self-aware. Yeah. And for him to have that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. means that he probably is one of the people who are going to write the better songs because they're not so self-inflated to think that everything that they do is good. That's true. So he probably edits himself pretty well and makes a lot of really good songs because he writes songs that suck and then he knows, like, I'm never going to release these ones. Yes. I'll just release the ones that I know are good. Which is, you know, true. Like, you know, your, your favorite Hemingway quote. 
I write a hundred for every one page I keep, I write a hundred that I throw out. Yep. And, and that you need that, you need that as a musician. And I, I feel like I, you know, I, I would specifically love to have a conversation with just Henley and ask him kind of what, you know, his process was like in that way, because it does seem like he could, he is somebody who seems like his own best editor. Yeah. I mean, he would do things like there. I can't remember the exact song. I mean, they had so many albums, but there were songs where the song was written by so, somebody else, right, in the band, or primarily written, right? And then they decided, hey, we want Henley to sing it. And it would make them really, the other person really upset yeah. because they're like, well, I wrote it because I wanted to sing it, right? And it's like, but Henley's voice was like undeniable. Like everybody loved having Henley sing yeah. the, you know, lead vocal on these tracks, right? So for me, it was kind of like, you know, he was he was like i'll do it if it's for the best of the song and i'll do it if it's what the song needs but if the song doesn't need me to sing it i'll i'll let somebody else in the band sing it's it. like like if we don't want it to be a hit stop it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean think about it how many bangers did he come up with and how many bangers true. well don henley was the most successful soloist out of the eagles i thought you were like, saying he was the sexiest He's also sexy too. He's a sexy man, <laughs> but he's he was the, the most successful um, soloist. Yeah, absolutely. Like out of out of all of them, the yeah. four of them, I think they were like just making albums. Um, and I, I just want to read like something uh, from from our dear friend Joel Walsh. Yeah, this is in regards to like the sobriety, you know, process yeah. that they were going through. Yeah, because you know, as musicians that like this caliber. They were just like in the studio and then they were on tour all the time. It's like, yes, oh man, it's yes. so exhausting, I, I could imagine. Oh God, yeah. But he was like, one thing I found in, in music business is that if you pretend that like you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. everybody thinks you know what you're doing. Well, I think yep. in life, yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, I yeah. agree with him. The yeah. actual like, kind of like fake it till you make it type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like the one that kind of like was in the corner like, am I good enough to be in this band? Yeah. You know, like. Can you add that to the broadcast? Oh. Yes. I already did. Oh, I'm <laughs> editing it again. Sorry, I'm bad. No, I completely agree with you. And I think you just have to kind of go into it believing in your own ability, even if you kind of at the same time, you know, in the back of your mind are, are not really fully. You, you know. want to highlight another thing from Jared Mayer real quick? Oh, shit. Yeah, he's right. It is important to know that you suck. Yeah. The, the the main reason is is that you're never going to grow if you think everything that you do is great and if you don't have somebody to also tell you you suck that's why i actually appreciate being in this relationship too like as far as like being able to be i tell him he sucks yeah I know, well no being serious like when i come up with stuff that she thinks sucks then it also makes me go oh yeah like maybe i should like you know change that or like refine even my technique right. or like maybe i should be practicing more maybe i should be playing better maybe i should you know like stop writing like just so randomly and not honing our sound like i've been doing something a lot recently too like just in in my own head for our band that's really kind of trying to narrow our sound because yeah. it's fun when you're a guitar player like because you could use like oh you could use a flanger you could use a phaser you could use like all this stuff but does that really portray your sound and i think it's really hard for a lot of people who are say even like people who are fans of your music or enjoy it yeah. to like really get into your music when it always sounds different um i know i have the same problem with incubus like i've liked you know some of their albums some i haven't but mainly because they just drastically changed their sound so mm -hmm. much that i'm like the, the reason why i liked you was because of this not really because i necessarily liked 
what you did. You know what I mean? So right. I think it's kind of important also to kind of keep that same, like just the same idea of like the tones and the ideas, for, yeah. at least for a little bit until people are sick of that and they want to hear something else from you. But yeah, but really work on refining your sound and, and not getting too lost in the ether. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, cause there's definitely ways that you can do your sound without having to, or like even like a song, like in your way that isn't, like straying too far from that with different, like say like effects and stuff that make it sound wildly different. You could just not use those. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, as far as like, so there's just Henley's like, you're saying like, what, where was that supposed to be going? I'm no, I'm lost. I, I don't remember where we were. <laughs> just, to be, just to be honest, I don't remember why, like, why we went there. That's okay. I mean, the next. Oh, it was because of um, Jared Mayer saying. Oh, it's that's important right. to know that, that you suck. suck. Yeah. No, I agree with that for, for sure. So, um, I remember during this time they were talking about because it was 1976 was Hotel California and then 79 was the long run, and during this time there was a lot of again like that self doubt creeping up. Like, am I going to be able to? you know, continue this, how much longer am I going to be able to go with this? And I, I feel like, you know, the more they talked about it, the more it actually instilled the fear in me that I was like, shit, maybe I need to be a lot more concerned about that. But I feel like you can't, you know, you can address your fears and not be overtaken by them. Um, I feel like, okay, so 1979, I don't want to like skip the big fights cause that was fun. So, <laughs> so they went into the studio for in 77 to do the long run. And during this time, oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to? No, no, you're good. I, I'm just adding things I think are funny. to the Scott and tangents. <laughs> no, tan this is kind of the point. We want tangents and I want you guys to be able to like chime in too and, you know, address anything. And then like, you know, that's fun to me that this isn't like we've always said, this isn't a lecture. This is a discussion. Um, and kind of what it, how it relates to us. So in 77, they went to the studio to do the, the long run. And again, tensions were just freaking mounting now between uh, Don Felder and Glenn Fry, And he kind of started acting or feeling like that, again, there was this like, there started to be this pulling apart where Don Henley and Glenn Fry kind of seemed like we're more important than you. And that's kind of where like the fighting started to happen. And that comes to a head later. Um, but pretty much he just didn't like all like the bullshit. He didn't like a lot of the like, you know, kiss ass kind of stuff. So one specific instance was they were wrapping up their long run tour um, in 1980. And they did a benefit show for Sel Senator uh, Alan Cranston in Long Beach, California. And that's kind of when the tensions finally exploded because supposedly they were up there on the meet and greet on the stage and it was like very public, obviously. And uh, uh, the, the senator thanks them for, you know, being there and, and blah, 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 doing the whole, you know, dog and pony show. And <laughs> Felder goes, you're welcome, senator, and then mutters, I guess, under his breath. So supposedly the senator did not hear, but... Fry heard and was fuming pissed about this. And I kind of relate because it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to want to do things for just the appearances of them. You know, if this guy didn't feel that this like benefit was anything that felt like genuine and he felt it was 
annoying and maybe didn't even like the senator or liked what he stood for, you know, and, and you're forcing him to kind of pretend and fake smile. Like, I understand that you have to do a certain part of that, but I, I get I get it. I get why he had his, his feeling about it, right? And Glenn Fry was like, that's, you know, absolutely unacceptable. And you can't, you just can't even have this attitude period about it. You have to be much more grateful. So they had a huge fight. Hey, but what if I'm not? Well, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. And so they had a huge fight that actually, like, uh, the show that they that they performed that night, they were fighting and they're mic'd. So <laughs> you actually <laughs> oh, hear, and I and I really encourage you guys to look it up. You actually hear it's like it's a 1980, and look up Glenn Fry, Don Felder. They are fighting, <laughs> and they're specifically saying like. Um, <laughs> So it says right here, I felt Don Felder insult insulted Senator Cranston under his breath, and I confirmed it with him. This is Fry talking. So now we're on stage, and Felder looks back at me, and he says, only three more songs to, like, kick your ass, pal. Oh, man. And I'm saying... Roy says that to me every show. <laughs> yes. And I'm saying, great, I can't wait, Fry later recalled. We're all, we're out, we're out there singing Best of My Love, but inside both of us are thinking, as soon as this is over, I'm going to kill him. That is when we knew I had, or that is when I knew I had to get out. So Felder knew he had to get out. So, um, yeah, they were making a bunch of threats about how they're going to kick each other's asses. And then when they got off the stage, apparently Felder like smashed a guitar to be dramatic. And then Glenn Ford's like, yeah, but he smashed his like least expensive guitar. So it shows how. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's so. He didn't mean it. Pretty much. Like, it's, it's like they make so much freaking money anyway that it's like least expensive guitar. Right. Like, even the most expensive guitar is the least then. expensive guitar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That too, yeah. So I got this one for free. Exactly. <laughs> so that, you know, that poor, poor, poor man. And at that point, too, even Randy Meisner. Randy Meisner was um, causing issues, I guess, because he was not wanting to sing... Um, What's take his, it to the limit. Yeah, take it to the limit. And he he hits those. He's the guy who's hitting those huge notes, right? So he's over it. He's not wanting to sing anymore. And um, as far as that song, every night. And Glenn Fry had a point. He's like, you can't disappoint these people. They've had tickets for a year, meaning the audience. You have to sing these songs. And and some of the nights he would get too messed up, and you'd be like, well, I was up all night on a coke binge. And Glenn Fry was like, well, that's not the audience's fault. It's mm -hmm. not their problem. Oh yeah. And I I agree with him. So they got into it, and eventually Randy. Eisner just left, and that's how they caught Timothy B. Schmidt. But I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, having to put aside your own ego and sing for the audience, because at the same time, you know, we all have songs we don't prefer, right? But then you know that these people that are here for you, they want to hear those songs. And I think it's really interesting that you can get so self-possessed that you don't, you know, you don't actually care. And you're like, I'm just not going to sing the song tonight. That's like, that's wild to me. I mean, I guess maybe you're just jaded after a certain amount of years. You think, like, doesn't no, matter? No, that was like a Kurt Cobain thing, too. Remember, he didn't, like, want to play Smells Like Teen Spirit because uh -huh. it was a popular song. And to me, I've never really got that. Yeah. People are paying to see you play the songs that they want mm -hmm. to hear. So at that point, it doesn't really matter that you're the artist. It's kind of like a dance monkey thing, and I totally agree. Yeah. It's like you're putting on a show for the people who paid to see you. Right. Yeah. If if you preface it first with we're just going to play whatever the fuck we want and you're going to deal with it and then people buy tickets, then they really want to see what you want to do. But I think that if you're not doing that, it's like people expect to hear certain songs and it's kind of fucked up to be like, no, we're not going to play any of those because we just don't want to. And they're mm -hmm. like, well, 
I really just wanted to spend, you know, my 80 bucks. Yeah. Like I had to work, you know, like a whole yeah. day for or something. Yeah. And now you're not even going to play the freaking songs. So awesome, dude. Yeah. Just because you felt like being a dick. What's the one, what's the one song that Radiohead wanted to stop? Creep. Playing? Creep. Creep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it's such a huge song. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, I'm not going to play them. Like, well, well, like, bullshit. Well, no, that's the problem is it's like Scott and I'm not going to go there because I don't want to go there all the time. But Scott always outs me and says like, she hates that song. When we do certain when we even oh, perform like songs. our own songs yeah and i hate that because i hate ruining it for people that love the song and it's not that i hate the song it's that there's a certain song that i just really don't love <laughs> and he brings it up all the time and i really get mad because it I feel like people need to know it ruins it <laughs> for me even when i'm freaking well, now I, I don't want to play because well <laughs> It's like it ruins it, it for totally me. Totally Don Hanley and Glenn Frey fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just I don't want to hear that my favorite song is something that they don't they could care less about that they don't want to sing and they hate it and it's not you know. So I don't like when he outs me like that because I put a smile on and I pretend every one of the songs I sing is my favorite song. So Are you lying? No. <laughs> I put I I put on a happy face because I should be happy that anybody even gives a shit about my songs and they and they should be too even if just, they're the Eagles. just by showing up to show is like yeah. that's so cool you know the fact that they care yeah. you know that they like you said they put their hard earned money into that ticket we say Radiohead didn't play Creep any of the times I've seen them oh Carlos I'm sorry because they suck and we have a podcast on that i love again i love radiohead for what they have given me as far as inspiration and i do love a lot of their music but as oh Oh, yeah to me the first three albums are insane awesome just as people they suck exactly (laughs) (laughs) so anyway in in, right in this time period where everybody's fighting, they had poor Timothy B. Schmidt join, and he's the new bassist, and he sings I Can't Tell You Why, and he does a beautiful job like a little songbird, and he seems like a very nice man, and it frustrated me because he was so sad, they asked him to play, and be, you know, be an eagle. And, <laughs> and they, then like three years later, they broke up. So after they had asked him on to play. He's right? all, damn it. Yeah, damn, no. dude. And it was really sad. Like, if you watch the documentary, he was like, it was just like, I was like busting my ass, like playing for over 10 years, playing like, you know, just crap gigs, like making no money, just being like run ragged, right? Like really going through it. And then I get this, like what feels like a huge break. And then yeah. it's over in three years. And he was so sad. He's like, can't we just, and apparently after like the big blowout, he calls Glenn Fry and he's like, Are you, is this really over? Are we really done? And he's like, Yeah, we're really done. It's like I just made this down payment for a house. I know. A <laughs> poor guy. Like I felt really, really bad. So from 1980 to 1994, that was like their hiatus years. Yeah, but Timothy B. Schmidt wrote, I can't tell you why. So he's got to be getting he like was, mad royalties off yeah. that. Like he was in like. The I like the way that you pronounce his name. Like the the whole thing. That's how they put it. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I just call him Tim. Just Timmy Tim. And Megan has to call him Timmy Schmidt, just like the Timmy. freaking show. <laughs> Timmy Schmidt. We're on, we're, hey, we have that close bond now. Because, mm-hmm. you know. So, so. One of the, actually, I was going to touch on this before, but yeah. I didn't know we weren't there yet. In the oh, years yeah. But if, it, if you guys listen to In the City, the yeah, melody, like how it starts, and then go back and listen to Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, okay. Just try it. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Trust me. Scott's already going through it in his head. I, I know you can hear I'm, it. I know. I'm like a, <laughs> a 
like a weird autist when it comes to music. He is. He like has like a personal like record store in his own head. No, I mean, I wonder if that was an inspiration. That's for sure. No, yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm not calling that out or anything because I mean, with, when it comes with music, there's a lot of things that's already been done. Okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. progression. But uh, with the melody and stuff, when I heard that song, I was like, "Wow, that sounds very, very familiar." So then I went back and then I uh, played that one, "Sweet Home Alabama." Yeah, and like it's just a verse, and towards the end it changes, obviously. Yeah, so it kind of changes a little bit. But I was like, "Oh." Interesting. There you go. Yep. That's a little tidbit if you guys want to look into it. Yeah, look <laughs> into it, guys. Yeah. So, so it's like even in the Red, or the Red Hot Chili Peppers Stadium Arcadium album, there's a lot of stuff that's actually influenced by like Tom Petty, and you can. Oh tell. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So from 1980 to 1994 was their hiatus. They swore the entire time that they would never get back together. And when asked, were the Eagles ever going to get back together? They'd say, oh, Don Henley would go, only when hell freezes over. So when they... Yeah, you really are like an old guy from Texas, aren't you? God, right? So hell froze over in 1994 when they got back together for their reunion tour. And uh, they made one of my favorite live albums of all time, which was the Hell Freezes Over live album. One thing that I had asked Scott to do about, you know, life is life, is to see if they did any overdubs. Because in the Metalheads private group that we have, and if you're just joining us, add, your, add yourself to our, our private music group, Metalheads, spelled like our band, it's like on the, it's up there. Um, so yeah, uh, join the group. We were talking about how, you know, live sound is obviously much harder to get right and record it well and have a great live sound. Um, the fact that they perform these songs all the time and they are such insanely good good musicians leans, leads me to believe that, yeah, they could pull it off live as far as like the timing and even like how great the harmonies are. The harmonies are like perfect. Killer. Like yeah. they just, they blow it and they blow it away. I mean, I prefer hearing some of these songs on the Hell Freezes Over album as opposed to like the traditionally, like yeah. the, the original recordings. So I don't know. Scott said that he was actually like suspicious that they didn't do some overdubs. No, I would guarantee that they did. It's like everything's too present. Like I this guarantee was a uh, live. Yes, yeah. a live album. Yeah, more than likely they did. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of uh, um, what is it when it goes on TV and stuff, they don't want to risk that. Oh, okay. They really don't. It's just like the Super Bowl halftime show. Nobody yeah. plays live. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it's I, I no, wouldn't back in tracks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be everything. Maybe their voice was like all live right there but yeah. like they have uh, more than likely they had something behind and there's probably auto-tune on the actual track uh, live and everything yeah, yeah so basically what they do is like a recording when you go into the studio you yeah. have one board and then you have another board that runs your live sound so that it feeds to what people are going to hear and yeah. that's going to have onboard gear mm -hmm. so typically so I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, but that doesn't take away that they played it live, though. Oh, like, yeah. Even if it has a little bit of a, of a track behind them. Yeah. They're still doing the performance because that's what happens a lot of the time. Okay. So. Oh, I, yeah. 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 And it's like they're obviously like, you know, getting older, you know, and just like every show playing the same songs and hitting those height notes perfectly fine. It's like there's got to be something there, you know, to like kind of mask it a little bit. I see oh, yeah. what you're saying, yeah. A little bit of help. It's not bad, though. I mean, no. that's just part of like the whole audio thing for life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like the thing is, is I typically, because the conversation in the, in the Metal Huts group was like, you know, talking about how people don't actually like to hear live music. They actually like think they do when they're physically there to see the live music, but they don't want to hear a recording that sounds live, like not a true live no. recording. <laughs> and we were having this kind of 
discussion debate back and forth and i agreed i said the only time i actually have felt like i preferred it was the hell freezes over recordings i feel like if you go to a show to go listen to them live it's not because you're gonna go listen to the raw sound uh, that like it's live it's yeah. because you've already listened to their music and you're invested in it you yeah. like it and now you want to go see them perform in person in the flesh like see them up there do yeah. their craft yeah and because you already know what that song is like recorded and when they play it live, I think in your own head, yeah, yeah, in your own head, you're kind of overdubbing that yourself because like, I remember this part is coming up, the guitar solo or whatever it is. And you're going to be able to get that feeling even if it sounds like kind of shitty, like live. Uh But in your head, you know what it sounds like. And even if it's a little bit off, you're like, oh, well, it's live. I mean, at least that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I see bands, I, I totally play. agree. So You're right. I th- that's how I feel about it. If you go watch a band that you've never seen and you watch them live, you're going to start like, oh, they missed that note. I heard that offbeat. Yeah. Oh, this and that. <laughs> You'll start hearing all those little things. And that's if, like, a band you just don't know anything about. Sure. But if you go and watch a band that's been around and you love them, you know the song, your brain kind of fills in the gap. Yeah, so. in, in your head, it's like you're doing that overdub already. At, at least that's true. I think people would do that. Or, I, I mean, yeah. I th- I think you hit it on the, you know nail on the head because I I've completely experienced the same thing for sure, and that's um, that's this poor uh, this poor band. So during this time, during this like reunion tour time between 1984 and 2001, uh, again there was a lot of like strife. A lot of them talked about how it just felt like they didn't even talk to each other until they were on the phys- like on the stage physically. They all were in their own like world separate, and then they would go rehearsal and then get on the stage. And it, it didn't it sounds like it sucks. I know, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of what made me like feel like okay. They talked a lot about how you have to have that rapport, and I don't know if I could do that. Like to the point where they like supposedly all hated each other. Like there was horrible bad blood i think at that point it's probably just about money because even when it comes to us like the thing that's the most fun for me when it comes to performing on stage is like looking over at the other person and then them like smiling and like everybody everybody's like stoked to be there you know what i mean and you kind of feed off of each other like being like oh we're in this together and we're doing this you know what i mean but then like like you said like to do it like that it just seems like useless like it's like just a job so i mean if they're making millions of dollars they might not care you know what i mean yeah but and i think that that speaking of making millions of dollars that was like kind of the big problem is Don Felder felt that he was not getting equal cut. So he said that he, and I, you know, this was ended up but being true. But he didn't write dick shit. Well, and that's the argument, right? Yeah. So he was annoyed because he felt that prior from, you know, all the years before it yeah. was split equally, you know, the, the, I think probably just the money from the touring, right? Well, to me, I mean, I guess that that's different. I didn't realize that before it was split evenly, and then it did they changed. Okay, well. So he says in his lawsuit. So Don Felder ended up suing, you know, yeah. Glenn Fry and Don Henley because he said that they were paid up to three times more than the rest of the guys. <laughs> Timmy Schmidt didn't necessarily like even act like he cared. He was just so excited to be playing. But Don Felder had a huge issue with it. So he, I mean, he's quoted as saying that. Um, Henley and Fry had insisted that they each receive a higher percentage of the band's profits, whereas the money that had previously been the money had been previously split in five equal portions. Felder accused them of coercing him into signing an agreement under which Henley and Fry would receive three times as much as as much for the selected works between 1972 and 1999. Um, they settled out of court in 2007, and then Felder was like officially out. So 
his like whole thing was that I had a hard time going on the stage, even performing with these guys, because I felt like they were so wrapped up in making sure that they yeah, had well, that's, so much more. That's money. actually completely different. I didn't even realize that. But Don, but Don Henley. So Henley and Fry argued in their on their behalf that they felt like it was warranted because they were the only ones actively working to keep the Eagles' name alive. They were the only ones like doing like any kind of I don't know. Uh, marketing for it or yeah but if you're the voice of it you're the only one who can that's what i think is yeah. bullshit it's like don felder can't go out on his own and be like i'm the eagles like people are gonna be like no, no you're not you know what i mean so like, where's me, the rest of them yeah exactly and that, that doesn't make any sense to me like they can't that was in argument. my opinion they can't pitch that because if <laughs> like if the rest of the guys can't do it on their own it's yeah. like yeah like you can because you sing. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. I don't know. So weird. that was, yeah, that was kind of their, like, well, we busted our ass keeping the, the the Eagles name even relevant. And we were the ones always working on the business side of it and blah, 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 managing the, you know, existing, I don't even know. The, the copyrights name. or something. Yeah. And so you guys just kind of, you know, ended up showing up later when we decided to do a reunion and now you want it to be equal. So anyway, they ended up settling at a court. We'll never know, right, what they ended up doing. But Felder was out. So as of 2007, it was uh, Fry, Henley, Walsh, and Schmidt. And they went and toured from 2007 to, unfortunately, 2016 when uh, Fry died. So they were touring off and on uh, throughout then. They released an album called The Long Road to Eden, or Long Road Out of Eden, which I didn't even care for. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was the reign of the Eagles. Fry, unfortunately, passed away at 67. Um, complications due to rheumatoid arthritis and ulcerative colitis, um, pneumonia, and he was recovering from an intestinal surgery. And I guess just too much stuff was compounded, and he he slipped into a coma and died. He was sixty seven. Sixty seven. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the you know pretty much band mom founding member died, and so that was obviously terrible. At the time, they were suggesting that his son Deacon could revise his. Like take you know take up the mantle and go tour with them to continue it. And at the time though they were acting like he wasn't going to do that. But then we read an article. Roy actually posted it today, saying that Deacon Fry, so Don, or Glenn's son, yeah. is actually now playing with them. So now they are they've returned to, to doing shows, and now Deacon does play and, and actually sings. Too. Yeah, I watched a an inter interview with them with Deacon Fry. Yeah. And is uh, that I think the interviewer asked them like, would you guys record a new album and release it like to like this year? I think it was back in 2018. And uh, this guy Henley was like, well, you know, in business and like music business, we are already like too old. So yeah. even yeah. if we made the best Eagles album, radio wouldn't play it. You know, yeah, it's right. just like we're just playing the songs that people like, and that's it. So I think that's why they call uh, Deacon Fry to just fill it in. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with that. I think that there's something to be said about like quit while you're ahead. Like I, I for me like to think of our of the art that I make as something that is like a complete package. That once I tell the story I want to tell, I'm done. I don't feel like I have to keep doing and keep you know make pushing something longer and kind of overextending. Yeah. to where it's like nobody cares like the time that you made an impact is kind of past and why don't you just you know keep re-singing those songs and, and people still want to hear them what's cool about eagles concerts now that we kind of like already just covered the whole thing is that there is such a you know variety of ages that you see 
there's such a wide swath like you have kids like teens and early 20s and yeah. then you have you know older people so i love that i love that even to this day you can find such a wide audience for the eagles and that's kind of i mean you can only hope to be a band like that oh yeah yeah but that's all I have on the Eagles today. So if anybody else wants to make any kind of last-minute comments, any last-minute questions, uh, if you guys want to ask us anything, um, jump right in the chat. If not, uh, this was a really productive, I think, discussion. I you love the Eagles. To, you also have to ask if they rock. And that's, that's true. <laughs> I do have to ask if they rock. All right. So. Starts I'll, with Jerry. You're last because you uh, picked it. Yeah, so I'm going to be last. So the way we kind of do this is that after every podcast, um, we all have to go around and say our final thoughts after critiquing the good and the bad. Uh, do that artist, or does that artist or band rock, right? That's our kind of final like coliseum, thumbs up, thumbs down. And uh, I'll be last. So Jerry, okay, do the Eagles rock. So I'm going to use a cop out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but I don't know if you guys had this one before. <laughs> a new before cop I out. It, yeah. Mm. So, um, if I get asked, like, do the Eagles rock? Yeah. In what sense? Like, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's my Man. answer. Um, and the reason why is I, I know the Eagles are consequential staple of the music scene back in the 70s. And I get it. Um, they put out a different sound, but it's more like in the countryside uh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, if you kind of ask me, like, oh, does a country artist rock? Well, I'm like, I'm sure they do, but, like, in what sense? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like somebody coming up to you, they're really excited about, like, I don't know, Kenny G, and they're asking, do you think Kenny G rocks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're all like, that, that's kind of like a loaded question to me. That's like, well, Fair. I get he's, good, like how he's I a feel good Jimmy Buffett rocks. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, I like it. Yeah, so it's one of those things where, uh, to me, I know that they have good songs, and I like, like, uh, Life in the Fast Lane and all yeah. that stuff. Those are great songs. But uh, for me, for them to rock, I guess, I'm not going to say no. They're just into style-wise. It's like, yeah. oh, it's whatever. It's, uh, I don't turn to them for, like, inspiration. I don't turn to them for, like, uh, yeah. music-wise. But, like, I know their stuff is good. Yeah. So yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Very nice. That right? Mm, man. Oh, no. um, well, I like that honesty on it. Like, of course. I like it. Yeah. Value it. It's a lot of balls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> I know, on the I, internet. It's, I, I, know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I think I've had the unpopular views on the past two. <laughs> oh, like, when are we going to get Jerry to say, yeah, they rock? They rock. Yeah. I know. When is his Jerry's going to pick. Maybe, yeah, this, maybe no, next I time. Did. Um, the first podcast we did together, I did say they rock. The Killers? That's yeah. True. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Roy, don't, don't get out of this. Do they rock? <laughs> well, honestly, I don't like every single, sure. like every single Eagles songs. Of course. Every single song. Um, I listen to, you know, obviously the hits and just, I get, you know, more into like the, the raw and the, the rock, you know, feeling. I like him. I like that style. Uh, but it's obvious, obviously a music that I didn't, grow up with you know it's just like something that i kind of imagine what was in the past you know what the past was like um but i do respect their writing abilities yeah you know every single member in that band was so proficient in their instrument God, yeah. even 
you know, few of them, a uh, few members were uh, able to play an instrument, sing, or maybe two instruments, piano, guitar, or, you know, like uh, Henley, drums and sing. Singing, yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah, like, agree. you don't get another Henley in history, like, yeah. period, you know? So, yes, they do rock. You mean you don't feel like Ringo Starr? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> so I got we're, we're one in one Scott Gossett yeah this is this is a weird question for me because I really like them as a band but I've never really thought of them as a rock band you know what I mean or yeah. even like like it, it's kind of like like I said like the way that I like Celine Dion or Elton John or something like to me the Eagles yeah the Eagles aren't <laughs> they're not they're not like a, a band band. They're just really talented musicians. Yeah. It's yeah. not like a super group. Yeah. So like What about like Steely Dan then? <sighs> oh <See>? man. <laughs> I caught you. Yeah, but the thing is they're a lot more nihilistic. So like I feel like that's more rock and flavor. But yes, nonetheless, I think that the Eagles technically do rock, but I'm gonna say only with a caveat that like how like Elton John rocks because I really I really really connect with like a lot of their songs like Best of My Love is like yeah. one of my favorite songs I really like listening to Tequila Sunrise when I wake up at 6 a.m. and just start drinking <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the day yeah. so yeah like I, I think that they rock but not like how I would say that the Scorpions rock oh. and that oh, needs uh, to be a podcast <laughs> I'll uh, oh. add something to Scott so we all learn how to play um, one of those nights. Yes, we did. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Super fun song to play. I loved it. I yeah. liked the bass line. Um, we all liked it, but we dropped it from our list. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. It, it's not quite to like the, yeah. the rock side of yes, things. True. Yeah. But it's a super fun song. I loved like, yeah. learning that one and like jamming to it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I get your point. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, it's not like it, yeah. it's good, it's just not that. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to say the Eagles rock because they're my favorite band. Because I do believe that even though they are not the rock sense, I mean, they were always given that crap too. You're not the Who, you're not Led Zeppelin, and they were always told that by a lot of you know producers and things like that. And I could totally get that. But I would also say that I would also say Celine Dion rocks. I would say Elton John rocks. So I think yes, um, but the Piano Man doesn't rock anyway. That's Billy Joel. I know. So Billy Joel doesn't rock. Billy, that's why I'm, I know. That's why I said the piano man. Anyway, <laughs> I do think the Eagles rock. They definitely have influenced me as far as songwriting goes. It influences me in choices that I make, even if I don't necessarily emulate them or, or do it in that way to where it's like I, I even guide your guitar parts. I'm like, yeah, this song needs to be like this, that, or the other. Um, you know. I, I still feel like there's a lot to take away from them. They're, they're something that I can learn from, and I always kind of return back to their albums to get new inspiration and to re, you know, revisit things that can hopefully you know, inform my songwriting. So I say that they rock as Megan. But um, on that note, please go to our Metalheads group. Hold on, real quick. I want to just address this one question real quick, and then we're going to Have you ever listened to the police? Of course we listen to the police. No, not that. I was actually going to comment on this about the whole do they rock thing. Okay. So I have a, I have like a whole method to figure out if they rock yes. that is for everyone if they want to take up my method. And the police was going to be the example of the band that I wanted to use. And that's that 
if you can pick five songs by a band that you like, you can say that they rock. The Police is like my ultimate pendulum of if I can pick uh, five songs. I can't. What do you mean? I, I can pick five right now, but it always is kind of like, eh, the, the rest kind of start to, like... Like, like the last two are like... Yeah, maybe. Exactly. But that's <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, saying. I like five, but like past that, it's kind of like, yeah. Like, I like The Police, and I think that they're really good, but it's like songs like Walking on the Moon and <laughs> King of Pain and like all that. Like, and I know you're going to say like not like the radio songs, but I mean like some of the not radio songs are even worse than the radio yeah. songs. But there is one Police song. It's really fucking awesome. And it's called The Bed's Too Big Without You. And that's kind of like not like a radio song. But yes, that one's great. That was your point? In the end, five songs by a band. If you can't pick five, You're you not. don't like that band. There you go. So that is his criteria. So again, on that note, go to the Metalheads group. Argue with Scott about his criteria <laughs> for whether you can say you like a band or not. Um, again, we are metal. We're an alternative rock band from Southern California. Go drink some Mad Dog. Go have fun. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time with a live stream performance. Peace out.